What's up, guys? Evan Kidd here with How a Human Podcast. Got Tony Devon here as well, back for episode two. Last time, we kind of jumped right into things, kind of told everyone what we're about, what we've been doing, kind of, you know, background information on the both of us and kind of what we're doing that's, you know, definitely different in our own respective artistic careers, but also, you know, what's similar because there's definitely a lot of similarities. Talked about film school, art school. So we really covered a lot of bases, and I think for this one, We're going to try to keep it uh, on the more narrow topic about creation and kind of what that means when you have to work another job or creating in some sort of chaos. You know, what does that mean when you have to create and kind of do a side hustle? Because, you know, a lot of us do that and it's definitely part of the process. And, you know, like we were talking about coming out of film school, uh, coming out of art school, we got to jump into the real world. That's the thing that people always tell you when you're in school, but you don't think about. And so now that we've had that real world experience for several years, we just kind of wanted to share a little bit. We also have a couple viewer comments that are going to come in later uh, that we got on Twitter. So if you guys are on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at HowWeHumanPod. So definitely follow us on there. And uh, if y'all got questions, definitely let us know. You're listening to the How We Human podcast with your hosts, Evan Kidd and Tony Durban. Very insulated in that bubble uh, when you're in art school or really any kind of, uh, you know, training or schooling to get you ready for a profession. And especially when you're jumping out there in the real world, it is pretty difficult here to just jump right in after, you know, college. A lot of times you might have to get a master's degree, you might have to do more training, you might need to do an apprenticeship. Uh, So, you know, a lot of different routes. But, you know, if you're that type that really wants to be the self-starter, I think a lot of our listeners really are the kind of creative people that are saying, hey, I don't want to wait 10 years to make this portrait, to make this painting, to make this film. Where do you find your drive now that you're out? I have a nine to five, okay? Um, Like any artist knows, you have to have a steady income uh, to support your art, whatever you do. Whether you're a painter, filmmaker, or if you're a web designer, graphic designer, whatever. Um, So my nine to five is more like a 4 p.m. to 1 a.m. Uh, just because of the type of work that I do, I have to be willing to work, to wake up at 5, 6, 7 a.m. I'll start my day, I'll work out, take a shower, I'll run errands. But by then it's 10 o'clock. You know, that leaves me six hours to, to do what I need to, need to do. Uh, find new music, you know, upload it to one accord, uh, write about it, work on new designs. You chose the path that you chose. Again, you have to find the time. Organization is a big thing for me. Um, Personally, I love to stay organized. So any chance I get, uh, for me, it's every Sunday. Um, Lately, it's been every other day where look at the work that I've been doing over the past week. Um, On my computer, I'll organize the files, simple. And it really gets me enthusiastic about the work I'm doing. Um, Right. Because if you have a system that you know about, that you know works, I think you're going to be inclined to do more work because, you know, we talk about creating chaos. I think that, you know, if your, you know, office, your house, your surroundings are messy and, you know, everything's disorganized and, uh, I mean, I'm guilty of this. I work in 
editing and film so much like half the time when my desktop is just icons and files and audio and like there's no rhyme or reason to it and I'm just importing things like that into my workflow on the computer like I get so distracted and so disorganized and like I'm definitely guilty of doing that sometimes so like really what I try and do is make a folder for every little minute thing on my computer and it's a little OCD sure but like when everything is working and all systems are firing I feel so much better about the work I'm doing and like like you were saying taking that time finding that day just setting aside the hour it makes all the difference because again if you're doing one little thing like that and it's taking like an hour two hours but it's giving you you know multiple hours of improved work uh, right. you might be more inclined to do that because if it's impacting your workflow positively I think that's the best thing in the world going back into just basic inspiration for creativity sometimes it's definitely difficult like I write I shoot and I edit video and film so a lot of times I don't even have the motivation to write and I tell myself too bad like I always had this mindset like I had to wait to feel a certain way like I had to be like my happiness jar had to be almost overflowing wow. for me to want to write and like that was how I was feeling like in school and like the first year or so after and it was when I wrote my first feature Son of Clowns I deleted that mentality I said I don't care if I feel great I don't care if I had a terrible day I don't care what happened but I kind of stopped saying okay I'm waiting around for that perfect moment that perfect inspiration because you know, I don't think your art is as tied to that as you think it is. So what do you, what is your experience? Do you have anything like that or is your process a little different? Well, it's funny because I'm actually going through that exact same process you're, you said you went through before, right now, where everything I'm in my life, I'm trying to like reach a certain happiness level and then kind of like hit my, my sprint. Now, I'll do sketch. I'll sketch a lot. That's one thing that I do a lot because of the time I'm in. Um, if I'm not that happy, I'll sketch because that that makes me feel better. That sort of gets the, the juices flowing. Um, so what I try to do is, is meet that intersection where the work I'm doing is, is at its peak when I'm the happiest. So that the work that I'm doing is at its highest quality. And that's something that I'm going through right now. Um, I think organization, again, kind of uh, makes that cushion a little bit easier for me. So I don't have to sort of start from the bedrock and reach for the tip of the mountain every time. Work no matter how I feel. I think that's the, the next uh, step for me. And that goes right into my next motivation where don't burn yourself out. Because chasing that happiness level can burn you out. So by the time you're happy and you're ready to work, you're like, oh, oh, I need to eat or oh, I need to go lay down. Like you just gave yourself an excuse. You literally created was, yourself an excuse. If, if this was Twitter, I would retweet that so much like that. <laughs> that statement. Yeah. Literally is, so, is so. And we live in a like, time of immediacy. Right. So it's. Yeah. We want to start things and we want things as soon as we can get them. Right. You know, so we, and it's the immediacy that I think is, is important in promoting our work because people will want to see it. But I think when it comes to creating our work, 
we need to way go back a little bit. We need to take a step back. How often do you have a perfect day in the course of a year where like the sun is shining, birds are singing, everything's going perfect? I mean, you know, you could count that on a couple hands. I mean, there's always a few things that aren't going to be exactly perfect. Like you can have a good day, but like if you're waiting around for that perfect day, I don't You'll think never get anything happen. done. Right, yeah. You'd make something like four to five times a year. I mean, like, you know, you can't hold your art accountable to like the course of your day what you had for breakfast all that stuff like it's really like working out um like it's like running i mean i run a lot and it really helps clear my mind because for me like the thoughts are too scattered if i'm not running and that process just really helps me you know i think about what i'm going to create i think about what films i need to edit uh, I think about work I've done before that because it's a time where I'm not looking at my phone and I'm not checking things and reading things and you know it's just this isolated thing and I love yeah. it but you know when you create it's kind of the same way because like when you start running like I'll tell you the last thing you want to do after several days in a row is keep running you're like eh, I just need to like kick up on the couch watch some Netflix like but you got to have that discipline where it's like you know if it's cold outside or if it's like you know a little rainy or something like if you commit to it you need to do it um and then like with writing for me i've kind of gotten into the habit where i try to write something every day and it doesn't always have to be something i share publicly but you know even if it's a poem like you know like a paragraph long that's it like i just try to create something uh every single day and i've been working on this new project called home remedy which is like an episodic series. So every episode is going to be like 22 to 30 minutes. And so we're doing five of them uh, down here in Baton Rouge in Louisiana. And what's crazy about that is the output on those scripts, I've never had anything that fast. So it's like, I'll write a script and then we'll shoot it and it's all independent. So, you know, we're able to self-generate this. So we kind of set the cycle. But because of our actor schedule, we're trying to cram everything in three months, which sounds like a lot of time. But when you're writing, shooting and editing five 20 to 30 minute episodes within that time period, it's insane. And so, you know, what I've kind of tried to hold on to is accepting that and just kind of saying, OK, Evan, this work is not going to exist unless you push yourself to create and push yourself to write that much because I've never cranked out that many scripts in such a short period of time. And so it's like you said, it's definitely that organization and that discipline. Wow, man. Yeah. That's, that's, that's something to be said. There's something to be said about that, about, um, because that all goes back to your work ethic. Um, I mean, giving, getting over the hump of, Working only when you're happy is a challenge in itself. Much easier said than done. Definitely. Absolutely. When you can work on your craft, uh, the thing you love to do, uh, no matter how you feel, I feel like that's, in a sense, a freedom. When you take that leap of faith where you're saying, I'm the only one responsible and it's on me. It's a double-edged sword because that realization, like you said at the top of the show, uh, can kind of push you to burn out a little bit if you don't manage it right. Because I've definitely been there. Like I've burned out a couple times on filmmaking and I've had to take like 
a month or two where I'm just not making stuff because I just work too hard. I'm trying to balance that and find that balance. And I think 2017, I know everyone says this any year they you know currently inhabit, but like I really want to really uh, push this year and try to make it work for me. You know, work smarter, not harder. So working smart is is everything. Uh, when I was in my textiles program, I came across minimalism. And what that taught me was kind of the art of less. Well, my take was, let me see how, how I can get away without putting any layers on there and have a clean design and give it purpose, give it meaning to someone else and see if I can do it at the highest level. And so that goes back to being free for me. There is so much noise out there in the world today, um, from current events to just trying to make it all work. I mean, everything is trying to distract you. I mean, your phone, I don't know the statistic. I think it, you know, the average person checks their phone like 200 sometimes a day. And I mean, that's insane. And you don't realize you're doing it. And like, I'm totally guilty of it, but you know, it's, it's interesting if you break that down and you think, okay, what is that doing to your mind? Like, you know, those little dopamine releases every time we look at the phone. Are we kind of conditioning ourselves to only, you know, accept stimulus, whether artistically or otherwise, for these little periods of time and then just move on to something else because it feels better? So I think there is something to be said about that kind of like, okay, I'm setting aside an hour. I met this guy at a film festival, Kukuloris Film Festival, actually a couple months ago. And he has one of the coolest writing strategies ever. He pretty much just goes outside and sits on his deck, doesn't bring any technology with him. And he, you know, makes his food and all that, but he just like inhabits his yard and he writes for like six hours straight. Like that's insanely cool to me because I usually get tapped out after about an hour and a half and I have to just stop and kind of go do something else and come back to it. But like, you know, he was saying that hour and a half is really kind of what gets him started. That's like just stretching and then everything else comes later. So it's a slower process and a different process. But I always was thinking like, that is interesting because maybe we do kind of have to take that first little chunk of time to get out of our headspace, to, you know, re-inhabit, to get used to this kind of, you know, more natural way of things. That makes me think about what you were saying about managing distractions. I think that's a big uh, step for a lot of artists. You have to find a way as in addition to keeping up your motivation, you have to manage your distractions. How do you best manage distractions? I try I try sometimes to do like the airplane mode thing with my phone. You just airplane mode, no text messages and Yeah. It, sometimes it works, sometimes I'm already back on it after 15 minutes if I'm being honest. <laughs> but you know, like for me, it's all about like, I kind of reward myself. So it's like, okay, if I'm gonna write, I'm gonna make myself a cup of coffee. So it's like a little reward system where it's like, okay, I get my coffee if I write and I'm not gonna get my coffee if I don't. So, you know, sometimes I try to attach it to things like that. Other times it's just, you know, sitting in the chair and making it happen. My screenwriting professor at ECU, the guy said, do you have a chair? And he said, yeah. I said, okay, now put your ass in it and write. And I was just like, that's funny. Cause I mean, that's, it, it is that simple if you break it down. It's very straightforward. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> but there is a lot of nuance to it, too. Yeah. Um, you know, we're both talking about, like, side hustles, jobs, all that stuff, you know, life-work balance. Um, where do you find that changing the artistic process at all? I know for me, I do a lot of freelance work outside of my film. Uh, I do some music stuff. I teach drum lessons. I, you know, do a lot of corporate videography that might be, you know, not quite as artistically, you know, fulfilling as what I'm doing with film, but it helps pay the bills. What do you think about stuff like that? Does it distract and, you know, pull away from the process? Or do you think there's any way that us as creatives, you know, can embrace it? Because let's be honest, everyone has to put food on the table. You do kind of have to do that work-life balance because if you can't, you know, get your supplies or you can't do this and that, then you can't create. Exactly. You're exactly right. I think it is something to embrace. I know a lot of people don't always, well, let me say it like this. Everybody has bills. And so on top of paying, really on top, when I say on top, I mean, like, in my mind, my number one priority is creating and my bills and everything fall below it. But I'm working from the bottom up. So I have to pay my bills. And so I have to work so I can be creative. And honestly, it's interesting how it works. Because going through that process, very stressful at times. Uh, sometimes it's very sad. You know, a lot of emotions come through when you're trying to get to where you want to go. Depending on what type of artist you are, you really have to find a way to manage your stress the day-to-day -day life stresses, paying bills. Uh, maybe you totaled your car one week. Uh, maybe you lost your girlfriend the next, uh, your girlfriend or your boyfriend, uh, whatever the case. It all seems to find its way back to the art. And what you said that I really liked was trying to figure out a way to embrace it uh, while still understanding that you will feel things from it. Because I have some friends that tell me all the time, you know, hey, I used to create this and that, but you know, now I just work all the time and I don't even feel like an artist anymore. And like, that definitely happens. Um, but I think a lot of that is people think, okay, I just have to do one thing. I, I, it's either one or the other. And I think a lot of times, what I love that you said is you were saying, okay, so you work that kind of later night shift and you're working those hours but you have your morning. And so you were saying it's just that discipline where you're saying, okay, I gotta get up, gotta manage my time. There's this guy on YouTube, he's kind of like a business mogul, his name's Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, he oh, has a lot Gary. of different, you like Gary? Yeah, he's, he's got a really cool mindset on a lot of things. And like, you know, sometimes I think he, he might burn himself out just because of his hustle, but I, but I admire it because, you know, he always says like, you know, why can't you develop a company while working a full-time job and having a family? And they was, people are always like, okay, so how do you do that? And so he was saying, all right, well, sleep for six hours and play two hours less of Call of Duty and, you know, watch one episode less of House of Cards and you know, right. this, this and that. And it's like, obviously, you do need to decompress. Like, we're not saying, like, give up everything. Not saying that at all. But, you know, sometimes, like you said, it's that discipline. You have to take a it's, step back from a lot of the, right. the junk you put in your life. And, yeah. And it's, give that energy to a, to a greater cause. 
Right. And it's like, I think there's an analogy he might have made to like junk food where he was saying like, okay, yeah, you can have a donut, but don't eat the whole box of donuts. It's like, you know, you have to kind of balance it out. And it's obviously good to have a reward system and, you know, do things that do make you happy. Right. You know, because not everything you do has to be about work. And I think sometimes you, like we said earlier, you can work yourself out to the bone if you're not careful, but it is that balance. That's what it's all coming back to. You can forget all the other elements of design, but if you remember balance, it seems like everything seems to, to come together anyway. I don't, do you have that same experience in film? Um, I mean, I don't know how, how much design specifically ties into film for you, but um, it seems like I don't see how it wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's elements of design, like you said, in pretty much everything. In film, I know on a design standpoint, a lot of that comes into play in pre-production before you're actually on set. Usually the time for all that is the planning. Wardrobe people are going to wear any costumes, you know, set decoration, anything like that. So you usually try and get all that done ahead of time because usually the last thing you want to do is be figuring that out on set with you know crew standing around you and actors standing around you waiting for cues. So you know that's that's kind of where that um, delegation comes into play, especially with film. Uh, that's why there are a lot of departments and stuff, and especially you know for costumes and wardrobe and all that. Now where it gets tricky is if you do what I do, like independent level, where you know sometimes we won't have that. So one of the producers will just kind of take those roles under their wing. And so that kind of just divides the attention further and makes things a little more difficult. It's not impossible, but it's just more difficult. I think that kind of minimalism and balance and everything from the artistic design standpoint definitely comes and rolls over because, you know, when I'm on set and things are not always working, whether it's a hot day or, you know, an airplane's flying over and our sound is just shot and we have to wait, and, you know, we don't have the time because the sun is setting. Like when all that's happening and I'm, you know, it's very easy to just like freak out and kind of just be like, ah, oh, I need 10 minutes. Like just everyone leave me alone. But like you can't do that because if you're directing, people are looking to you. And so you kind of have to say, OK, this is happening. Kind of got to strap on your backpack it. and kind of yeah. push the team forward. Yeah, it's like a coach. I mean, that's the thing. It's like the coach isn't going to walk away from the basketball team when they're 10 points down. I mean, you know, you've got to figure out, okay, how are we going to get back up? And, you know, that happens. So, you know, it's just a matter of having that discipline and that mindset to just, you know, assume things aren't always going to work out. How about you and what you're trying to do with One Accord and, you know, doing more of your painting and all that? Is it is it difficult to divide that up between your full-time job or is it more just like trying to you know, carve out those hours and, you know, not let them all mix too much in a way where you can't concentrate. Yeah, it's more of me trying to set the time aside and yeah. plan it so that I'm hitting my highest point at the right time. Right. And then once that point is met, making sure that I can sustain that until I have to go to my day job. Definitely. Do you have any strategies with coping for uh, any stress? that would come up during any of those processes? <laughs> I don't have any. If you can let me know any <laughs> any way I can manage my stress better, that would be great. I mean, I, I go out when I can. Yeah. Um, you know, I got a, my, my coworkers will meet up at some bars downtown, have a couple of drinks. Um, might go to a club every once in a while, but nothing too major. That's about what I got. Yeah. <laughs> I think for yeah. me, I think for me, a lot it's 
it's family. Yeah, family. Like really just, even if I don't go see them as often as, as I would like, even if I just send them a text just to see how they're doing. Right. Um, that really could, could give me some perspective on my own life. Because sometimes what we do is we overcompensate for a lot of this stress. I think a lot of times the stress isn't as much as we make it out to be, but because we're stressed, like we stress out even more. Mm-hmm. And we have to watch that. We have to uh, we have to make sure we're not stressing ourselves out, because then the workload to get to that level or to or whatever um, is going to be twice as hard. A lot of people like us have these big dreams and these big goals, and we're like, okay, I want to be doing big films i want my you know art curated and galleries all over i want this you know song to be the one that blows everything up we need to have those goals to kind of ground what we're doing in some sort of you know uh truth or some sort of you know excitement to propel us forward but i think at the same time you know we still have to live our present life you know we still have to be present and actually inhabit the space that we're in and i think a lot of times creatives have a tough time with that because we want to be so futuristic and so far-reaching if only if only if i could fast forward time this this and that like i hear a lot of people say that and i mean obviously you want that success but at the same time definitely need to stay grounded with where you're at in life because everything that has made you who you are has come up to this point in the present you know and that's the thing uh what we currently inhabit is the present is really the only reality the past has already happened Right. So, you know, you can't change it. You can't do anything about it. It's okay to remember it, but don't dwell. And so I think the thing about the future is, yes, you can create it, you can form it, and you can mold it, but you can't control it 110%. So you kind of have to find, again, we keep saying balance. It's really that kind of Zen mindset where you can have a handle on both. What is your schedule like, I guess? What is, what's, how, what is Evan's kid's schedule? Evan Kidd's schedule is insane. Uh, no human should have to... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it, it really depends. It, it ebbs and flows weekly. I mean, right now I'm in a place where I have a home office now, so I'm working from home. Uh, but I'm also going out and doing kind of the side hustle and the freelance and some part-time work and like a whole bunch of different things. So it's really a juggling act for me because like you said, like my days in the mornings are usually more free. So I try and get up, go for a run, have my coffee, maybe get a little writing in, catch up on the day, but don't get sucked into the current events, you know, just get enough to know what's going on and then kind of let that be what it is and then really get to work. Uh, I kind of have a warm up period for like an hour and a half after I wake up before I'm, you know, useful, I guess is the word. So, you know, I got to just get all that out of my system. And then once that's ready, I'm ready to work. And so I'm either editing or going out to shoot. Um, you know, some weeks it'll be more busy than others. Uh, sometimes I'm just editing for an entire week straight at home. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to go get groceries. But then other weeks, it's like I don't see my house uh, except for like the hours where I'm sleeping. And then I just get up early and go back to a shoot or, you know, go to a production. Like, I know you have a lot of schedule. Your schedule is different because for me, it's just myself. It's kind of like an independent thing. Yeah. But for you, you've got to manage you know, five to ten, maybe even more people. 
thing I'm right. working on. So, yeah. How was that? That's that's where you definitely learn a lot about letting go because like you said when you do have to manage 5 to 10 other people you can't control everything. You just can't. Like there's no way you can do it. So for me it's kind of like okay, working with people who are competent and who I can put some of that trust in and feel okay about. So a lot of that is like with an actor, okay, I want to cast when I'm casting an actor for a film, the best person for the job, obviously technically, but I also want to know what their rehearsal schedule is like, can they be self-sufficient um, on the fly if a line isn't working on set, can they improv, can they do this and that? Great, because that's more tools in the toolkit, but when it comes to renting out a location, making sure uh, the traffic is what it needs to be in the area, making sure things are quiet, you know, making sure people are gonna be home at this hour to let you into this house to go film. Like all those little things you don't think about, like when you're filming just a very simple, like two person dinner scene, like that looks so easy to film, but like all that behind the scenes to get it to where it needs to be is insane. So it's really, like you said, just kind of like, okay, breathing in, breathing out, and saying this is what it is. Um, and that's only the thing you can do because, again, it's part of the medium. It's a communal medium. And, you know, it's great to have that individual discipline in the writer's room or maybe even in the editing room. But when you're actually doing the production, that's the time where you kind of really put your faith in your team. It's good. That's good that you can put your faith in your team and know that, you know, if wherever you're gonna come up short, like they're mm-hmm. gonna be there, and everything is gonna work out, even if you can't control the outcome of things. All right, guys. So we're gonna jump into a few Twitter questions and comments that we got. We did open this up last week and on our Twitter account at How We Human Pod. So definitely uh, leave us any questions, comments, concerns, anything over there for future episodes. But for this one, we got a couple cool comments. This one was really interesting, and we'll link all these usernames and everything down in the show notes. But Dedicated asks, creativity for me is like a puzzle of endless possibility. Every question just leads to more answers, and it leads to new direction and closes gaps. So I think it's more of a comment, I guess, than a question. But uh, what do you think about that, Tony? I think it's interesting because, you know, he kind of talks about it as a puzzle. And uh, anytime you start something, you know, you might really get more questions than answers. Creativity is communication. This is our chance. This is our voice to really say something, really communicate and like what's going on in the world or what's going on inside of us to someone who may not be able to communicate it themselves. So yeah, it does it does close that gap, I think, for all people. Even. How many times do you go to a museum, look at a piece, and you know, you kind of think you know it at first glance, but the longer you look, the more intricacies you start to see, and then more questions just form. You know, you think, okay, this is just a painting of a clock, but then you look at it and it's, you know, melting and there's things going on and you know, obviously yeah. you, you you notice brush strokes and little intricacies and you're like, Okay, hold up. What else is happening here? And we're not all Dali. 
Like, yeah, <laughs> let's get that clear. We're not all Dali, but we all have Dali has his own way of, of viewing things and communicating, and that's something that is true to all creatives. I, you know, I don't want to take anything away from the greats, except for greatness. Like, I want to be able to express and communicate as great as they did. All those different nuances that everybody will create a conversation about, mm -hmm. but they don't take the time to step away and look at the bigger picture. Yeah. Like this is creativity and this is our voice and we're going to stay. Yeah. And I mean, when it comes to just that creativity, not putting a label on things, like I can't help but think about the, uh, the new quote unquote Drake album, which is really just a playlist and like that whole controversy not controversy i mean that was interesting because he sampled a lot like a whole bunch on that one yeah but like he, did. he didn't take it too seriously either but it's really like a double album if you look at it like it's it was interesting i i, I listened to it and i was just amazed by how many tracks were on there yeah it's the it was, output is, yeah is impressive for and sure whether you like it or not that's not so much what we're trying to say it's more about you know, okay, does that change anything if he calls it a playlist? It's not a mixtape. It's it's a playlist. Like, what does that mean? Is he trying to change the artistic understanding of what a playlist is? Because, you know, when I think of a playlist, I just think, okay, I threw a whole bunch of songs together in Spotify and You're right. it a day. <laughs> exactly. But, like, you but know, what does Drake's that mean? An artist, yeah. Entirely different, you know, place in his life is how yeah. I see it. And so for him to put out a playlist is... It, it is a statement that is his yeah. art because he's challenging what we think of a playlist as and i think that's exactly. interesting yeah all right so moving into our next question uh this one comes from alusha and i'm sorry if i mispronounced that uh she has a very interesting statement which i thought was you know so simplistic but also interesting she says you close the eyes to connect to the universe and everything will come alone with your concentration and that's, I guess, regarding creativity when we asked, you know, what is your creative process? So she says just closing your eyes and connecting to the universe. So I'm thinking um, meditation might be what she's talking about. Or maybe just kind of like we talked about earlier in the show, clearing the mind and kind of taking those distractions out. I find that a little interesting. It's, you know, very self-explanatory, but also very relevant in a way. Right. I, for me, I, I do mindfulness techniques. That's the... Uh the big way that I manage my stress, some people will take the route that, you know, the universe is inside of us. So, you know, that makes perfect sense in what she's saying. If we close our eyes to, to ourselves and kind of block out all the distractions and really tune into yourself. A lot of times we get disconnected from ourselves because we're always interacting with the world and we're never alone because our phone is right beside us at all times. So, it really is important for us to take that time, whether it's three minutes, five minutes, if you're at a desk job, or if you're a driver at Domino's, or if you're a filmmaker, to really take that time and reconnect with yourself. Because at the end of the day, the creativity, that's where it's coming from. It's coming from yourself. And it's easy to forget that you're in there. Like, that's the thing. Like, there's so many external factors absolutely could not agree more i think a lot of times too meditation helps you just sit there for 10 minutes and nothing 
magical happens you just don't do anything and i mean if you think about it how often are you just not doing something we're always doing something like whether it's working eating running i mean anything driving i mean we're always doing something so it's interesting to just like not do anything like i i haven't thought about that thought in so long and so like last week when i started i was like let me just see what this is like and, and i felt refreshed like you come out of it feeling more connected with yourself and does it solve everything of course not but it's it's just an interesting thing to add to your toolkit so our final comment comes from Rakoen, and i'm sorry again if i pronounce that isolation and silence which is tough because creative chaos lives in my mind it can be difficult to silence many ideas for one and so he's talking about working through his creative process so i think he's saying it's difficult when you've got a lot of things and ideas swirling around you know a lot of times as creatives we're not just working on one project we could be you know juggling different things and different ideas or maybe even trying to decide on one project to start and then you're just juggling through, okay, what the direction is that we're gonna take with it. What do you think about that? I would say as a precaution, don't jump into anything unless you plan it. Like no matter how deep the desire is, because that's what your sketchbook is for. If you feel like you have an idea that you're passionate about and that you it's gonna change the world or change your entire career, uh, then you need to put that in your sketchbook. And you need to take 30 minutes or even an hour, reschedule the rest of your day if you need to. And at the end of the day, right before you go to sleep, when you reflect on your day, it's there for you to see. And maybe you feel different about the idea. Or maybe you realize you can edit your idea uh, or you are gonna need more than one person to execute the idea. You'll realize a lot of times that it's just the beginning of your planning phase, your sketchbook. Unless you're a sketchbook, it's not an idea you've had. Absolutely. And, and your brain needs that time in the sketchbook to formulate those ideas. Because a lot of times it's just little seeds before you put it in a sketchbook or before you write it down. Um, but it really blossoms once it's in there. Just anything where you can put your idea out of your head and into the physical world, you're good. All right, so guys, that pretty much wraps things up for episode two of How We Human. Thank you guys for listening. We are now on iTunes, so you can just search us. How We Human podcast should pop up on iTunes. Best way to keep in touch with us is Twitter, again, at How We Human Pod. And we're also on Facebook. You can just search us that way. So definitely stay linked. We'll keep you posted with future stuff. If you do want to be featured uh, in any future episodes, definitely shoot us what you're thinking, whether it's a question or comments like these. Always happy to talk. Again, we want this podcast to be your podcast, your resource to talk about these creative things that we're going through. Next time, next episode on How We Human, we'll jump into juggling your skills that you get from your creative avenues and bringing them together. All about fusing old passions with new and what you learned during that process. So thanks again, guys, and we'll catch you next time.